Well, hey, my name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor of Shelby Road Baptist Church, and so glad that you have chosen to join us for today's online service. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a piece of fruit that wasn't ripe yet? Uh, we've been doing this quarantine thing for a little while now, so we're limiting our trips to the grocery store. And I love bananas, so we loaded up on some bananas recently, but they were as green as green gets. I mean, I'm talking St. Patrick's Day green. And so I knew that I was in for a wait on uh, these bananas. The problem is, is that I'm really bad at waiting for stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty terrible at it. And I discovered that I'm really terrible at it with regard to bananas. Uh, I learned something. Green means go on the roads. But when it comes to bananas, green does not mean go. Green means stop, you idiot. What are you thinking? <laughs> That's what I learned because I couldn't wait. I just dove into one of these bananas. It'd been like another day, so it was a little shade less green or something like that. And I thought, wow, it's close enough. Well, it was not close enough. I bit in and it was truly, truly terrible. This banana was not ready. So you and me, we're a lot like me and we're a lot like the banana. And here's why. Let me explain. We're a lot like me because we're impatient people. We don't like to wait for things. And we're a lot like the banana because we're not ready. We're not fully formed. We're not complete yet. We're not mature. And God is out to solve both of these problems. And his solution is the waiting room. We're starting a teaching series this week, and it's going to go for the next couple of weeks after this. And it's called the waiting room. And it's because it's all about the seasons in which we have to wait for something. And your, your wait might be a short wait. It might be a excruciatingly long wait. You might be waiting for companionship, or you might be waiting for relief from pain, healing that you've asked God for, and the healing hasn't come. And so you are in the waiting room and you wait Maybe you've been waiting for some kind of good news, a response about a loan that you applied for, or uh, some kind of good news on the news. You're waiting for things just to get better. You're waiting for something to get better in your life. Maybe you're waiting for something to begin, or you're waiting for something to come to an end. Uh, whatever it is, chances are you have experience in the waiting room of life. You might be in it right now. If for no other reason, I know you're in it because we're in lockdown and we've been waiting for lockdown to come to an end. We are in the waiting room of life and we can get discouraged in the waiting room. Our soul feels heavier in the waiting room. And the longer that it goes, you might even be wondering, is God even listening to me at all? here. None of us would choose to be here, and yet here we are. So what do we do when we're in a hurry, but God isn't? Welcome to the waiting room. The waiting room is a dangerous place because our faith will either grow here or it will die here, and there really isn't any in between. And so we don't get to choose whether or not we are in the waiting room, really. The only choice that we get is how we respond. The only choice that we get is either we're gonna take advantage of our experience in the waiting room or we are going to waste the wait. So I want you to think of the waiting room like a gym, like, like, the, like a training space, because this is how God sees it. 
And each week of the series, we're going to be given an exercise in the waiting room. And these exercises that God gives us over these next few weeks, I believe, are the difference between a faith that goes to the waiting room to grow and a faith that goes to the waiting room to die. And the first, ex- the first exercise that we get in the waiting room comes from James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. So turn with me to James chapter 1. And I'm going to read the whole section first, and then we will break it down verse by verse. James 1, 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Our response this week in the waiting room is very simply this. We need to decide that the wait is good. We need to decide that the wait is good. Um, It's counterintuitive to respond with this kind of thinking, but that's what we're commanded to do here. It's our first faith exercise in the waiting room. It's the proverbial first step on the stairmaster of faith training is to decide that the wait is good. It's pure joy, not pure misery. Um, This leadoff word here in this first verse, consider, is an important Greek word that means to intentionally draw a certain conclusion. And we know that if this is the response that God is commanding of us, it's not a natural response for us. It's not the obvious response. And we know that because I don't have to intentionally draw a conclusion about it clearly good thing. I don't have to intentionally draw the conclusion that sunshine is good. Well, clearly sunshine is good. That's why everybody vacations in the same places. To actually consider it pure joy means that God understands it's counterintuitive. We are intentionally drawing a conclusion about something that is not an obvious conclusion to draw. I have to intentionally decide to respond this way. The weight is good. I have to decide this. This is a decision in my thinking. See, our problem is that hardly any of us would hardly ever say that waiting is a good thing. But we serve a God who almost always says that waiting is a good thing, and this is where we are. So our faith will never grow unless we learn to think about waiting like he does, which is to consider it pure joy, to intentionally draw a non-obvious conclusion. So how do we do this? What does it look like to consider this? Um, It looks, I think, like teaching a kid that there's no monster under the bed. If you've got a kid, uh, or maybe you've just seen stories like this, you've got a kid who is convinced that the truth is that there's a monster under the bed, but you know better than this. What are you going to have to do to convince them of what the truth actually is, to get them to internalize the truth? Well, it's going to take work. It's going to take work. You are going to talk to them. You're going to talk to them patiently. You're going to search underneath the bed with them, probably more than once to prove that there's no monster underneath the bed. You are going to rehearse the truth before bedtime. You're going to revisit the truth over and over and over again until they are broken of this erroneous way of thinking. And you're probably going to have to do all of that more than one time. This is the kind of work that considering is. Every one of us, as we're brought into the waiting room, are convinced that waiting is not a good thing. And so to consider it pure joy 
is going to be a drastic change in thinking and we're going to have to do the work to get there. Uh, the problem is that when we're in the waiting room, our heart gets really loud and it drowns out the sound of God's word and God's truth. And many of us end up in wave after wave of discouragement and wave after wave of anxiety and stress and hopelessness when we are waiting because in the waiting room, we've spent more time listening to our heart and not enough time preaching to our heart. And that is what we need to do. I need to talk to my heart over and over again until I am a person who considers that the weight is good. This doesn't feel like a good thing, but it is good. And you've got to preach to yourself. This is prayerful self-talk. The psalmist did this. In Psalm 42, verse 5, he says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Notice the skepticism with which he treats his own heart. Because Jeremiah at 17 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things, and the person that's deceiving the most is us. And so he's skeptical about the conclusions that his heart is drawing. He says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then he says, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. That's biblical self-talk. That's how a marathon runner gets from mile six to mile seven. It's self-talk. It's talking yourself into a new conclusion about where you are. Do the same thing in your waiting room. This is a good thing. The weight is good. The weight is good. The weight is good. We're glad when the weight is over, but to get glad when the weight begins takes a self-sermon. So start to preach. Pray and ask God to help convince you that the waiting room is good and begin to do the work of considering it pure joy. The only road to the joy that God has for us in this space is the work of thinking. We have to think hard in a counterintuitive way, but he will be there with us as we're doing this. And this is the exercise that God gives us in this passage today to consider it pure joy. What's wonderful about this passage though is he doesn't just give us the response that we need to have in the waiting room. He also gives us a really good reason why we can respond this way. And we find this in the next verse, James Chapter 1, verse 3. So he begins in verse 2, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And here we go. The reason why we can respond this way. Verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Um, we're all impatient. Every one of us is impatient. Uh, even the most patient of us are relatively very impatient people compared to God and the kind of patience that he calls us to. And because of this, our faith tends to have a short shelf life. God knows this and he wants to change that in the training of the waiting room. And the word here translated perseverance is a powerful Greek word that means determined staying power, determined staying power. So we have here the reason why we can respond with such joy in the midst of the waiting room is because what God is working out for us here in part is upgraded faith, faith that has staying power. And you're hearing this right, by the way. Part of the reason why God 
moves us into the waiting room at different times in our lives is so that we can get better at waiting. <laughs> it's true. Um, whatever it is that you're waiting for right now, or different seasons of waiting that you've been in your life, chances are that you've been waiting for something that is kind of in this life. It's limited to the scope of this life. You're waiting for healing, or you're waiting for deliverance, or you're waiting for love, or you're waiting for relief of some kind, or you're waiting for an answer. And, and all of those things are good, and we should definitely seek God for those things. But it's probably limited to this life, and God knows that he created us. Ecclesiastes tells us that God created us with eternity in our hearts. We have forever set on our minds at the core. So when all of these other things that we have been waiting for, those shorter seasons, even though they don't feel short, those shorter seasons of waiting come to an end one way or the other, we are still going to be left longing because what we're actually waiting for is the next age where we are with God for eternity on the new earth. That's what we're yearning for. It's what we're waiting for. It's resurrection and an eternity with him. It's what we were created for. And that kind of waiting requires staying power. James says that this kind of waiting trial, this kind of thing, is, is a test. It's a testing of your faith. And what he means by that is that it's the proving ground of your faith. Uh, when you first step into a gym, you are not ready to run a marathon. The only shape that you're in is round. <laughs> and if you tried to run a marathon at that moment, you'd die. For real. Um, but a marathon of faith is what's required in this life. That's what's required. That's what it takes. And the trial of the waiting room is the proving ground for your faith. It's the only way to know what kind of faith you're actually working with. Faith that is weak or faith that has staying power. And I don't know about you, but if my faith wasn't strong enough to persevere in this life, I'd want to know that. And so here's a question I have for you. Have you ever been wrong about yourself physically? Um, once I was playing basketball with a guy who's considerably younger than me and considerably more athletic and at one point ended up being a professional athlete for a while in his life. That's neither here nor there. But we were playing basketball together and he's a younger guy and I thought, I'm going to show this younger guy a thing or two. And you already know where this is going. Uh, so I, I shook him off. I made a move and I went toward the basket. If only that had been what actually happened. That's what happened in my head. That's what I planned. But what actually happened in my body is that I shook him off. I made a move and my right calf muscle tore in half. <laughs> a huge pop, like a gunshot in the gym. And I fell on my face. Uh, in other words, my brain wrote a check that my body couldn't cash anymore. Uh, I was wrong about myself physically. Listen, it's possible to go through this life, be a Christian, and think that you have strong faith. And when the unexpected trial comes along, when the season of waiting comes along, when you're sailing along in life and you hit the sandbar, your faith will shipwreck and you will discover that though you thought you had strong faith, you were wrong about that. And this is why we have a very good reason to respond with joy when we're in the waiting room because God placed us here in part to give our faith staying power, perseverance. That's a really great reason to be joyful. See, the waiting room is pure joy because here is where your endurance increases. You will have staying power. God gives us this exercise as a response. Consider it pure joy. The weight is good. And he gives us a good reason for that response too that we will have staying power faith. 
But he also in this passage gives us the result of this response. That when we do consider it pure joy and our faith has staying power, there's a very consistent result that comes along with it. And we find that in our last verse in this section, verse 4. James 1.4 says this, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When we're in the waiting room, just about the only thing we want to do is leave. We'll do anything to bring this experience to an end. And I understand that. It's only natural. Uh, The problem is that when we want to leave, we're not ready to leave. Do you remember the banana? Well, if I had given that banana the proper time to ripen, then my experience with it wouldn't have been so terrible. Um, I said, we're like me because we're impatient. But we're also like the banana because we're immature. We are not complete. We lack a lot. And this is the state of most of our personalities, our minds and our hearts. We have a lot of growing to do and we need the time to do that. And this is the result that God is after. Staying power produces a very consistent result. It produces maturity. This is what God wants to have happen. It's what it looks like to be in spiritual shape. It means that I have a fully formed self. God not only wants us to be people who wait well, we have staying power, but he also wants us to be mature. Jesus is after your fully ripened personality. And it looks like this. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. No doubt there's fruit on this list of the fruit of the Spirit that we don't quite have mastered yet. It's uh, not fully ripened yet. And the only way to bring it to full maturity is to wait, to take the time. The thing is, most of us, don't have these fruits of the Spirit as goals in mind very often. We're not aiming at these results. Instead, we're aiming to be more wealthy in life, or we're aiming to be better looking, or we're aiming to be in better shape, or to be more successful, or to be more famous, or to to have love, or to, to give love. We're aiming for all of these other things, and they're good things, but if that's all we're aiming for, and then we have to wait for them, this waiting room experience is going to be like torture because the training will no longer match the goal. It doesn't make sense that I have to wait for these other things. Well, it's because God is not in this just to give me these other things. He's in this for his result. Completeness, maturity. Every athlete has a goal in mind. A certain amount of pounds lost, a number of miles run, or a feat of strength that they accomplish and the goal matches the training. And so when God has this goal in mind, our maturity, our completeness, a fully ripened personality that when opened up doesn't taste bitter to everyone around them, but tastes fruitful, tastes wonderful, like the fruit of the spirit. When God has this end in mind, well, that makes that goal match the training in the waiting room where God gives us the space and the time that we need to become complete. So we wait, and that's a good thing. And we'll get staying power in faith, and that staying power will result in our completeness. So what are you going to do with your weight? What are you going to do with it? 
Are you going to take advantage of it? Are you going to consider it pure joy and, and, and do the work of thinking over and over again, this weight is good, the weight is good, the weight is good? Or are you going to stay convinced of the truth that you believe that it is a bad thing, that it's something you want to escape? And if you do, you will waste the weight and you will leave on the table the staying power faith that you could have and the completeness that God wants to bring into your life. I implore you, don't waste the weight. I'm telling you, don't waste it. Don't waste this time. Use it. Consider it pure joy. You can do this because Jesus did it for you. Just a couple of pages before our passage in James, we find a passage in Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus had staying power for you and for me, and because of that, we will be complete. We can be complete. We can be whole, not lacking anything. We are not enslaved to sin anymore, and we can choose something better. He made it possible. He is doing the work, but we need to endure. And we do this by considering it pure joy as we are in the training of the waiting room. It's going to take time, and it's going to take work. But this is what God calls us to. And we will have joy and completeness on the other end. So that's what I'm challenging us to this week. Do the work. Consider it pure joy. Whatever you've got to do to convince yourself, put this truth in front of you today, this week. The weight is good. The weight is good. The weight is good. Write it down in post-it notes and put it all over your house if you've got to do it. But whatever you've got to do, do the work of considering it pure joy. You've got a good reason to. You'll have staying power. You've got a good result at the end, completeness and maturity in Christ. So this is what we need to do. Consider it pure joy. Do the work. The weight is good. The weight is good. The weight is good. In his hands, it always is. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we have this truth that we can rest in today. I pray that all of us uh, listening to the sermon right now will respond to the call, Lord, to consider it pure joy. Whenever we are in a season where, quite frankly, we'd rather be anywhere else. So help us respond this way. Help us do the work to consider it pure joy in all of these seasons. Lord, we thank you that in your hands, it will only result in something good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.